0: oh something just flew in my eye ah we'll keep that in no no we won't keep that in hello we keep it in if you want keep that bit in something flew into my eye welcome to episode 94 of riot act the alternative music podcast with wild one eye stephen hill that's <laughs> me and um two perfectly working eyes renfrey deadman
1: Well, you say that i wear glasses with ridiculous prescription do you yeah minus 5.5 5 and minus 6 i believe which which some people will be going <gasps> about but yeah i'm half blind. That? I don't... minus nine I've... i think minus nine or minus 10 is blind basically
0: well my eyes are right now by the way so perfect 2020 vision over here for stephen hill oh,
1: there he is yeah. <laughs> I've, I've got perfect 2020 vision when i have my glasses on
0: well, that's all right then. Good. Sure. Um, we can we can do the show. And people. Will... <laughs> I didn't want people to think that we you can't review music if you can't see. Can I can you? read my um, notes. Hooray. Yes. Good. Uh, well, before we get into it, let's go and say, do the Musicism sting, I think, Remfree. Musicism.net. Go over there. Um, they are our buddies, our compadres, our finances. We're their bitch, aren't we, basically? Yeah essentially what they yeah. do yeah basically what they do is a load of online tutorial courses for you the budding singer songwriter guitarist producer if you're interested in any of that stuff go over to musicism that's music, dot net. if you want to sign up for their monthly courses they're very reasonably priced and can be even more reasonably priced if you put the code riot in capitals in the checkout to get 25 percent off Bloody hell. It's a bargain. What a bargain. It's, a, it's bargain. a bargain. I can't I can't lie to you, Lynn. It's a bargain. Um bargain on this potential. week's show, Renfrey's picked some uh some artists for us to do a bit of a catch-up on. So we're gonna be talking about new records um that have been out that are out already, but they're still fairly new. Records from the likes of Mogwai, Sparta, The Digital Delta, Bambara, and Jarbo. Plus, on Broken Records, uh, we hold Lauren Hill's very fragile mental state carefully in our hands as we discuss her unplugged 2.0 <laughs> album. Um, we should say, if you're listening to this on the day it came out, if you scroll back a little bit, we gave you a free Glassjaw jaw. Um podcast the other day didn't we Renfrew? we did
1: yes we did and a very nice response we've had to it as well um Hmm. a very nice response we had to last week's show i have to say a lot of you commented to say that you were in various queues or in public and laughing your absolute boobs off um at steve (laughs) losing it Um, yeah i did i lost it i'm trying to say tits less because it's not a very nice word is it tits
0: well you could just refer to a completely different part of the body Laugh
1: your neck off,
0: yeah. That Laugh your really under way. your thighs off. <laughs> um, I think um, I think th- it's tits red for a raw reason. thighs. Um, yeah. 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 Um, uh, yeah it was a good show last that. week. Thank
1: you for that. Hmm. And um, I suppose this is a relatively good reminder to tell people if you like the show and want to give us a review. Hello, uh, please feel free to do that. I've just dropped my camera. Uh, please feel free oh, well, to do that. So.
0: I mean, we, we did it, we did that a couple of weeks ago and I feel a bit funny about doing that all the time. But hey, you've done it now.
1: Well, I uh, only only because people reacted so well to last week's show. That's the only reason why yeah, i mentioned fair it, enough. to be honest. Fair enough, yeah.
0: Fair enough. <clears throat> um, I mean the glass as I said, the glass show, everything you ever want to know about silence podcast went up for free. It was part of a two-parter the second part of that two-parter will be going up on patreon.com forward slash right act podcast if you sign up for our five pound tier you can get all of our classic album podcasts um we have got already up there radiohead guns and roses um, marilyn manson sepultura uh glass is going to be the next one and then i believe our two-part manic street preachers special is going to be going up in a couple of weeks after that so That's definitely worth you signing up for that is the plan yeah. um and also and just just I a think...
1: quick personal thank you from me to all the people who got in touch with their support due to the situation and all that i really appreciate that mm. so thank you very much i really appreciate yeah
0: that. you're you're nice people you
1: are very nice people
0: the n- the the nicest audience in alternative music, <laughs> probably. I think probably probably yeah. <coughs> um, if that's a catchy little if epithet, it's, if it's
1: even a thing. <laughs> but you are yeah. <laughs> but Spe- you are.
0: Speaking of cat, speaking of catchy little epithets, have you heard the new I- uh, the new idols song, Mister Motivator, Remfry? I've not. Have actually. you heard that?
1: No, no, I've
0: not. <clears throat> I mean, we don't normally do sort of reviews of songs that are going to be on albums, but I think it might be a little while before the new, Idol song, uh, the new Idols album comes out. But they released a new song called Mr. Motivator. I had a little listen to it. <laughs> like Conor McGregor with the Samurai, samurai sword on, roller, on rollerblades. How do you like them cliches is one of the many silly <laughs> lyrics uh, from the song. It sounds really good. I mean, you know, is it, Idols Is it about are... the
1: GMTV... Um fat loser motivator aka uh, yeah
0: motivator. well it's 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 got the same name but it's about you know it, it's idols doing that thing that idols uh are do quite so good well. at doing which yeah. is kind of like sarcastically sending up um british culture yeah primarily.
1: yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: and particularly that you know you can do it reach for the stuff, you know that kind of yeah yeah. live 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 laugh love mm. sort of um inspirational bullshit that it's people one of, um... your,
1: one of your tattoos isn't it
0: yeah yeah it is yeah <laughs> but i got them around the wrong way so it says um loft lav live <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: that, that's that's so that, that, that feels that feels like material that needed working out a little bit more.
0: Yeah, it did. Yeah, it did. I probably could work that into something, but too late, too late. I said that the difficult you follow-up podcast to last week's <laughs> very funny one. Um, did you, I don't know if you still, so, you know, the new Idol song's out. That's pretty good. Um, did you see that this happened, Renfrey? The first socially distanced concert took place um, in, um, in uh, Fort Smith, Arkansas, in front of 229 people, which is about, 20% of the venue's capacity. Um, I heard it, about it, did, it. It happened. Yes, I, mm. I
1: heard about it, but I don't know all that much about it, Steve. So if you could fill me in, that would be grand.
0: So uh, artists called Travis, Travis McCready and Lauren Brown mm-hmm. played live. Uh, I don't know who those people are. Don't do I don't know if you're familiar with their work. Yep. I think they're some sort of sort of and tootin' country Stars, Okay, massive um, in
1: America then, and probably nowhere else.
0: Well, I mean, they don't look that massive because they only play to sort of th- 220, 230 people. Right. Although that was obviously down to the restrictions that were put in place. Yeah. It looks like they can play a sort of 1,000 capacity room. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm looking at the pictures of it right now, and it's uh, a really, really odd... Thing to I mean, I suppose it's not really an odd thing to see because we go to gigs where hardly any people are there all the fucking time, really, yeah. don't we? Yeah. But the fact that people are kind of been told you have to... you know what I mean? You can go, um, but you have to stand sort of... I mean, it's all seats and there's like three seats and then a massive gap and then another three seats and it just feels a bit... Do you know what I mean? It just feels a bit... Weird, it looks weird, yes, and it looks like it would feel weird. Um, I'm almost a bit like, I don't know that I'd want to go to that.
1: I'm not sure I would either. Uh, do excuse me one moment, Steve. My window's wide open, and a rubbish truck is coming by. I do apologize. Give is me a second.
0: Well, as in, as in a a, a rubbish truck or a rubbish truck is it a truck
1: a, a, <laughs> a truck how dare
0: you judge a truck Renfrey? <laughs> who are you to judge that truck oh that's a rubbish truck. shout out the window you've got a shit truck mate oh you mean a, a truck a truck collecting
1: the rubbish. the rubbish yes 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 and i mm. i, I yeah. suddenly in the middle of you saying all that i got very distracted thinking oh shit that's probably going to be coming through onto the mic so apologies for that uh yes that's uh, weird i'm not sure if i would want to go to that that mm. would be
0: odd i mean it I say like I say it would just be like going to see a small band at the Black Heart really but but even but even 10 people. even
1: when that happens everyone congregates close as close to the stage as they can and I'm assuming that that's, that wasn't able to happen with that show no yeah exactly no. i mean this does lead into another story and we don't have to move on entirely if you don't want to but that does lead into the story that um Oh, I sent it to you on Kerrang! last week, but I don't have it in front of me, rather stupidly. But it basically said that once gigs do come back, there are going to be rules and limitations put on and Mm. uh, moshing of any kind or or slam dancing or or, or crowd surfing is going to be uh, not allowed to happen. Um, Mm. I totally understand why they would say something like this, but at the same time, I think my concerns are I have absolutely no idea how they're going to police that, really. Yeah, Um, exactly. There's only a certain size of crowd that you can make stop moshing. But if you've got one bouncer to 100 people, and even that is quite a conservative uh, count, depending on what venue Mm. you're at, obviously... Uh, you're not going to be able to stop a hundred people moshing, you know. And and I don't I don't know. I think some shows people will. I think it's. This is going to sound like an awful thing for me to say. I think it's going to depend on how intelligent that band's fans are. <laughs> if they're a bit dumb and just don't give a fuck, they'll probably mosh. And if they're more intelligent and have a bit of self preservation about them, then uh, maybe they won't. Is that a
0: dick? so? You're saying that 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 now there's thinking about who is more susceptible to getting the coronavirus are you saying that bullet for my valentine fans are more likely to get the coronavirus than say Mogwai fans is what I, you're saying basically isn't like, it i th- yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, yeah no, you know i mean neither listen listen neither of us are doctors but no. that feels a very like sort of accurate and b I, I would say sort of evolution at work as well <laughs> Mm. So I I don't want to go too far uh, down
1: this route because we do sound pretty fucking awful here. But yeah,
0: (laughs) (laughs) probably. (laughs) Yeah, but basically, what, we're not, look, let's be really clear. We're obviously, we're messing around, but yeah. the serious point is, if you like Bullet From My Valentine, your life is worthless, essentially. <laughs> uh, um, that, is, that is basically, if you take anything from today's <laughs> podcast, let it be that. Uh, <laughs> awesome. Well, that went in a funny old tangent, that bit about socially distanced <laughs> concerts. Anyway, let's, um, let's just go straight into some reviews, Renfri. You've picked five albums that are already out uh, for a little bit of a catch up. And we're going to start, I think is probably the best place to start, is with Mogwai. Zero 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 is the post-rock legend soundtrack album to the Italian crime drama series of the same name. Uh, This album came out two weeks ago on the 8th of May. Um, I'm unfamiliar with Zero Zero Zero.
1: As am I, um, and I've be- I'm purposefully unfamiliar with it because I didn't want uh, Enton, you know, knowing anything about the TV show to encroach on my feelings on this uh, soundtrack.
0: I thought you were going to say because I-, I won't read subtitles.
1: Oh no 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 no! I'm so- <laughs> yeah. no, fine.
0: Um, A bit of subtitles, um, isn't it? Uh,
1: yeah, although Gabriel burns in it as well isn't he i noticed
0: i don't know i don't know anything about it
1: apparently gave a burns in it so i don't know if it's subtitled or not i don't know i don't know is the answer to that question uh that i can give uh but yes this is the seventh soundtrack album that mogwai have either written or contributed to in some way uh mogwai started doing soundtrack work in 2006 that year they released sedan Um, You remember Zidane, I'm sure. I do. Their first entirely original uh, OST, i.e. original soundtrack. And they played on Clint Mansell's soundtrack, To The Fountain, which remains my favourite soundtrack of all time. And quite possibly one of my favourite films of all time as well. Uh, We did that in a trade-off. You quite liked it.
0: I did like it, yeah. You didn't
1: love it in the way I love it, but you quite liked
0: it. No, no. I mean, I always do take... uh, you know I, I do think it is you you going you're better off going into these things being familiar with the source material i mm-hmm. stand by that as an opinion
1: okay okay well what started out as a curious little addition to mogwai's oeuvre let's say has now become like a genuinely exciting facet of their career to the point mm. where as a mogwai fan personally i almost get as excited for their soundtrack releases as i do a, a new full length mogwai album um uh, not quite as excited because I probably would have reviewed it the week it had come out if I had, but uh <laughs> but I missed it. Um but I do still get bloody excited about it. Um if anyone is curious to step into the Mogwai soundtrack world, I would recommend uh Le Revenant, which is amazing. Uh Atomic is fantastic, and of course the Fountain soundtrack. Uh even though they only played on it rather than wrote it, but it's just amazing. Um, and um this. because uh, surprise surprise, I bloody love this, Steve, because it's right up my alley. It's Mogwai, who are one of my favourite bands of this whole thing, yada yada, yada. So really let's just get that out of the way. Renfrey loves it, even though everyone already knew that. But for a more <laughs> balanced, for a more balanced view, uh, let's go over to my host, Mr. Stephen Hill.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay, great. Um, yeah this is very good
1: yay cool. this is I, good, I really wasn't it? sure I mean, which way it was gonna go and I'm really pleased you like it now I'm really pleased I,
0: I mean like yeah I mean like I say I I do think it's always better to experience these things I think you would probably the you'd be able to conjure more if you knew exactly what it was soundtracking I just think that's a fact like not but that 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 it's, doesn't certainly take diffi- away how good. it's
1: certainly difficult to argue with that, yes.
0: Mm, yeah, but I mean, that doesn't take away from the fact that this, I think this album, this is nearly 70 minutes long, this mm. record. It is and, uh,
1: 68 minutes and 43 seconds.
0: Yeah, and the fact that, <clears throat> you know, I mean, I think that's not quite as long as the Moby album that we reviewed last week. And no. last week, we spoke about the Moby album and how it felt like a kind of prison sentence. And mm-hmm. by the end, just nothing was happening. Nothing was happening. Um, and this is, if people thought we were being kind of overly harsh or they didn't agree with us or they think that all this stuff sort of blends into one. If you're one of those people who, who maybe don't, who, who listen to these reviews and go, well, you know, to me, it's all this the same. sort of post-rock instrumental music, it all kind of sounds the same. I would suggest you play the last sort of, what, 20 minutes of the Moby album and then play this for categorical proof of why one is better than the other because this record is um, full of twists and depth and tonally it is, I mean, the production on it is outstanding. It's fantastic! I think every single note is expertly placed and brought out and you can kind of even though I've not seen a second of zero 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 the tv show the sense of foreboding and drama that this record conjures is um is really great there's a song halfway through I mean it almost feels to me I have to say it almost feels like picking out individual songs from it is not really something which is going to help anyone at all because ultimately this does feel like a singular piece of music.
1: Agreed. Although it sounds like you've done that anyway, and I've done that anyway,
0: so yeah, let's yeah, yeah. go
1: down that route anyway. But yeah, I, mm. I, I understand. I what mean,
0: you're there's a song on it called um, "Don't Make Me Go Out on My Own," which the kind of the build and the the drama and the beauty. I mean, it's it's about three and a bit minutes long, and if you were to kind of have it on in the background, you maybe might go, "Oh, that's just a kind of quite a nice little." Piano. (laughs) I was going to say ditty, then, but that's not the right word at all. But kind of a nice little sort of piano-led piece of music. But when you actually sit down and listen to it, and you sort of try and follow it along, you follow along with it, you realise how like incredible Mogwai are at morphing from one thing to another thing without you really. You have to concentrate really hard. It's something that it. This whole record—it's one of those ones again. You know, you were speaking the other week about how difficult it is to um, to describe things when either they don't have any genre or they're quite kind of they kind of float above you. And I think this is one of these things that it's actually quite difficult to describe what it is that's so great about it. You just have to sort of experience it, really, Um, because you—I think you either feel. You either feel what they're trying to convey or you don't in a Mm -hmm. lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And I can understand people maybe going, I don't really want to sit down and listen to 70 minutes of kind of quite, quite kind of subtle um, electro piano music. Do you know what I mean? I can kind of understand why people might not want to do that. But the reason why we go on about Mogwai I think both you and I like I you know I really I don't like Mogwai as much as you mm-hmm. but they are one of those bands that I was re- that I really loved before you and I started doing this this mm-hmm. you know they are one of those bands that I was like they are fucking great yep. um I think the reason you know why we would put Mogwai above or certainly I would put Mogwai in a different category to many 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 of these bands is because they have this kind of just unquantifiable quality to them and yes. i think this record has that basically
1: yes um completely notly really agreed god i have so much to say based on that um let's start by saying um when i first heard this i i didn't know anything about the tv series at all apart from the title um and i'd seen the cover of the soundtrack as well which is reminiscent of sort of a lot of the posters that are coming up for posters is even a thing uh digital posters let's say uh for the tv series and i did assume that it was going to soundtrack some sort of dystopian science fiction series type thing which from what i've garnered doesn't appear to be quite right um mm. but i suppose why did I want to mention that? I wanted to mention that because we've got a lot of that stuff recently that sounds like it's soundtracking, dystopian sci fi stuff, um, Tides from Nebula, Maserati. Um mm, we've done a whole bunch recently in the 65 last five days of static days of static, absolutely. Um so I thought I would just mention that. Although when I found out that it isn't the soundtrack to Dystopian, dystopian Sci fi series, I was like, oh well that kind of makes any point i was going to make their moot doesn't it however it does sound a bit like it could be it could be like it could be the soundtrack to the new blade runner or something like that you
0: know i've got that down yeah 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 Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, a touch of um a touch of the i mean it's far more subtle tonally but a touch of the perturbators of this world in tiny tiny little nuggets i think
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um it's 21 songs um they're pretty short songs in the main to accompany the tv series um the longest song on here is four minutes and 53 seconds whereas the shortest is one minute 21 but the average is around three and a half minutes which in a way in a way makes this album pretty easy to digest i think um Sometimes you've struggled with that in the past, Steve, but um, that doesn't seem to be as much of an issue. Well, it doesn't from just what you said. Um, One thing I will say, the the release, which is most comparable to this that's come out this year, certainly that we have covered, um, is the Nine Inch Nails double album, the Ghosts Mm -hmm. Nine Inch Nails double Mm -hmm. album. And I did actually play the two next to one another um, to sort of compare and contrast. And they are different, definitely. But there are undoubtedly similarities. They're both quite dark and brooding and broadly ambient, but occasionally rise into... You probably wouldn't want to go to sleep to it because there'd be a bit 20 minutes in that would wake you up. But, you know, they are broadly fairly chilled out, I think is fair to say. Um, But the Nine Inch Nails one, which I loved, by the way, um, as wonderful as it is, it, it's far more difficult to penetrate than this is. I think, um, it's two and a half hours to start with. Um, yeah, I agree with that. If you put both together and a lot of the songs on there are sort of 10 minute long, 13 minute long, you know, uh, I, I mean, I love it. I love the nine inch nails record. It's so good. I hadn't listened to it for a few days and I listened to it again yesterday next to this. And I was just like, Oh my God, I love this album. Um, but yeah. Um, but there are definitely similarities there. Um, There is a Clash review which um, made some really interesting prescient points and I thought I would just read them verbatim because I I, I can't really word it much better myself. Um, The problem with many soundtrack albums is they often feel slightly rudderless without the counterpoint of their subject. But tracks such as Don't Make Me Go Out On My Own work as both a fittingly tense soundtrack and as a standalone Mm -hmm. moment of beauty... The gentle moon in reverse and the ambient delicacy of El Dante would take pride of place on any of their studio records, while the folk tinged acoustic melodrama of Witches of Alignment could be a Nick Cave instrumental. Whilst zero 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 may not provide the long term satisfaction of their studio records as bite side chunks of ominous doom and melancholy go, it's a masterful collection from a band who enter their second quarter century as essential as ever. Mm. I mean, he's
0: mentioned a, he mentioned a couple of um, fucking brilliant <coughs> ones there. I mean, uh, Witches of Alignment um, is it's brilliant. Wonderful. Yeah, um, yeah. Th- Did he say the winter's not forever? Because I think that might be my favourite thing on the entire. He didn't actually. Album. No. He okay, didn't. right. No. Okay. Maybe I was just looking at it and being like, oh, I would imagine. Yeah, The mm. winter's not forever. I think is fucking amazing as well. Yeah. Like super dark, yeah. really threatening. There's a um, there's a
1: song on here called Fears of Metal, which I wonder if I wonder if that's an example of summing up the Mogwai thing, which is difficult to sum up into words. I agree, but it's it brilliantly conjures that sense of slow, downtrodden wonder that Mogwai are so wonderfully able to capture. I can't think of many bands that can sound so dour and so uplifting at the same time and I, I, maybe that's the quality you you're talking about when you're saying a very yeah. difficult it is difficult to put into words i've been trying for about 20 years um <laughs> but you know yeah uh they I, they just do that so so well um el dante comes in sounding like a more forlorn version of the title track from radio's kid a it's all like plinky plonky children toys and mixed with these mm. sort of haunting synths and immediately i was like that's a bit like kid a um <clears throat> this is music to be carried to the afterlife too <laughs> you know it's just like it's so brilliant and uplifting summon the sacred beast has this childlike sense of wonder that recalls the haunting soundtrack to Le Revenant um which maguire already did which, which by the way is a drama about dead children in a town miraculously coming back to life strongly recommend Le Revenant cuz it's excellent um i i I love it <laughs> i don't have anything yeah
0: I, I love it um it's really good and i can tell you one of the one of the kind of um this is i think this is when you know you've got a really strong record um, because i have to admit i as much as i like mogwai and i had a few years where i would buy everything of theirs that came out um but i don't really listen to them very much anymore really um, whether that's just because of time or the amount of stuff that's coming out or the not being in the right frame of mind or whatever. But this was so good that it made me go and dig out Mogwai albums that I owned. That I mean, rock action's one that I was always like, oh, I can never really get rock action. I never really got into it. But it made me go back and go, I'm going to listen to rock action. Rock and I was like, oh, this is fucking good, this. Yeah. Um, Once and- you
1: realise that you don't know Jesus and two rights make one two wrongs to make one right whatever or whatever it is and once you realize those are the centerpieces of the record it opens up and it makes so much sense mm. I, that's a brilliant I, record
0: I I bought it the day it came out and I was like eh, I'm not really sure about this and I was like I'm just going to go back to like young team
1: and... You, you and you and a lot of people a lot of people didn't like the change in direction on that record but I think it's a brilliant album brilliant mm. album and it's
0: and it but you know the fact that I went back and I listened to pretty much I'd say maybe like the half of the stuff of theirs that I owned you know you got a good album when it makes you go fucking hell, i just want to listen to the rest of their back catalogue absolutely and that's what this has done for me and I was going to say to you Renfrew being someone who's probably in a better position to recommend stuff like this to people if there are people who listen to us those people that are getting annoyed um about the trivia and review or whatever for example uh who probably don't listen or maybe possibly don't listen to this sort of thing Hmm. Is this a good starting point if you're thinking, well, you know what, I should give this shit a go because I think this is a real, like if I was going to say to somebody, listen to a soundtrack that you know nothing about from from a film you know nothing about, from a style of music you know nothing about, this wouldn't be that far away from me going, I think you could start with this. Is that specifically
1: what you're asking? You're asking a soundtrack to a film that you know nothing about? Or are you well, saying instrumental music j- as a whole? Are you saying post-rock yeah, as a whole? Either. <clears throat> well, I'd give you two different answers. So, okay. um, so I'll have to give you two different answers now to clarify Yeah, that's myself. fine. <laughs> um, as an instrumental record as a whole, there are things that I'd probably point you towards the direction of first. Um, uh, just because, you know, th- this, because of how many tracks there are and how short they are, this is a bit bitty um but then so's the wall by pink floyd and that doesn't bother a lot of people uh (laughs) but but it depends i feel like there are better crafted mogwai albums overall better crafted instrumental albums um but this album you can't really criticize this album for that because it's crafted in that way because it's meant to accompany images which you don't know about so it's relevant in this case um in terms of if you want to listen to an instrumental soundtrack which works on its own, I think this is a pretty good way. Not a pretty. Uh, <laughs> I think this is a pretty good place to start. Um, I would actually, obviously, point people in the direction of the Fountain soundtrack. Personally, um, I think um, another Clint Mansell one, which is great, is uh, Moon. Um, the, the, yeah, yeah, it's the, a great the film soundtrack. As well. Yeah, great film, but um, the soundtrack to Moon is fantastic. Uh, oh that's what i can think of off the top of my head uh, oh explosions in the skies friday night lights is absolutely beautiful as well um but yes it wouldn't be a terrible place to start maybe a bit long no, i was just
0: thinking but... no i was just thinking if someone was like oh see mogwai i've got a new thing out and i've never really checked that out maybe i'll listen to it i don't think it would be i don't think it would be alienating put it that way i think no, something like the no. might be
1: yes yes i would not <laughs> Do you know i mean to they might Zidane put sedan
0: on and go fuck you know yeah. but i mean um... i mean it was their first go
1: at it but now i would say sedan is the worst soundtrack album they've done um by by actually quite some distance um it's still very good it's it's just yeah, it's, it's just hard fun. work yeah 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 yeah. it's just very 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 ambient um mm. but um yeah no this wouldn't be a terrible place to go at all it it, it probably wouldn't be in the top five for me but it might be in the top 10 potentially I don't really know Uh, I've never Mm. thought about that but um I I I love it I think it's wonderful and it's very very broad it's got loads of different moods on it even if you listen to it once and you were like well I like that electronic stuff far more than I like that ambient stuff you could make a playlist which would last 40 minutes or so full of that material which you'd really really like so yeah you know um yeah it's not a terrible place to start at all
0: it's a good record and we should also say that 50 percent of the first week's income of the record was donated um to charities including help musicians and various nhs charities so that's good as well it is overall overall,
1: yes we probably should have that's probably why we should have reviewed it the week it came out to be (laughs) to be honest (laughs) but I, i i got it a bit late but uh yeah yeah but overall it's yeah amazing
0: <laughs> yeah it's very good it's really good yeah i like it a lot i really do like this a lot um so there you go zero 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 by mogwai is out um it's been out for a little while i mean if you're not like i say if you're not a fan and if you just thought i might give it a go not the worst place but really i mean if we're saying go and listen to mogwai because you've never listened to him before there are plenty of other places to start which i'm sure we'll talk about yeah another day
1: <laughs> one, one thing one thing we've hinted at but haven't expressly said if you liked that nine inch nails album but I've never out, checked mm. out Mogwai Check this out Yeah, I, yeah, don't, yeah. I see no uh, reason why you wouldn't like this If you, if you like the Nine Inch Nails album
0: I think it's better, personally I think it might be Yeah mm. Yeah, I, I do prefer it, I have to say um, Anyway There we go, that's Mogwai Let's move on to the next record Which is from Sparta uh, It's called Trust the River This is the fourth full-length album From the former At the driving guitarist Jim Ward's follow-up after at the drive-in initially disbanded back in the early parts of the millennium it's their first album in 14 years um sparta used to contain all the non-afros from Out the Driving, but now it's just Jim Ward getting out while the going's good. Good for him. Good for him. Um, this came out on the tenth of April, so I imagine anyone who's interested in Out the Driving or you know the the kind of the members of Out the Driving or ex members of Out the Driving will have probably heard this by now. But um, for a little bit of context, I mean, I had Wiretap Scars, their debut album, I thought was pretty good. Cut Your Ribbons, a great song. Cut your yeah. ribbon, That's ribbon. Everything, everything. How do you sleep at night? what a great song what a great song Um, I can't remember anything else could have slotted very
1: very easily onto In Casino out I would say
0: yeah Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah.
1: I'm just gonna jump in here if you don't mind very quickly no no, it's fine and say I really like Sparta and I feel that generally they get a bad rap for not being at the drive-in
0: and I do appreciate... They used to get called, um, I can't believe it's not Fugazi, <laughs> called them. <laughs>
1: yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I do appreciate that three, you know, three members of the band were out and at the drive-in. But when you're making those kind of comparisons, it's never going to be that fair really, is it? Um, no. No. Uh, but, but you know, having said that, I mean, Wiretap Scars, I said it about Cut Your Ribbon, but Wiretap Scars, their debut album, is not a million miles away from In Casino Out by At The Drive-In, I think in terms of quality and the sort of record it sounds like. Um, uh,
0: I can't remember. I, no, it's, it. it's
1: not far off. It's, I, well, it all sounds like Cut Your Ribbon, but that's fine because Cut Your ribbon's great. Um, mm. Their follow-up, Porcelain, is a hugely underrated record, in my opinion. I think it's fantastic and, and easily the best thing they've done in my opinion
0: yeah uh, that's where i checked out that's where me and a lot of people checked out I it believe. is
1: it is which mm. is which stuns me because i think it's a brilliant album if it were an at the driving album it would probably be my third favorite uh maybe even joint second within casino out i think it's that good it's really really good um mm. yeah around that time um jim ward did some interviews with kerrang i remember where he uh came out if you will as being a friend with chris martin from coldplay <laughs> if you can call that coming out <laughs> yeah he did. Didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> and, and funnily enough i mean the album he was saying that about porcelain doesn't really bear all that much resemblance to coldplay at all i think there was a little bit of piano on it which is where the comparison was made which is ridiculous um that means lingua ignota and coldplay are the same thing sure um but you know i i I think uh, i i don't oh god i don't want to give the wrong impression this is closer to Coldplay than that album was isn't it trust the river
0: yes yes i think it is um Um, it's 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 funny actually because i've not listened to sparta for a really 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 long time well they didn't sound like this last time i listened and they didn't sound like this i mean when it that kind of she got cocaine and some champagne at the start of the album i was like fuck me this is Mm. some dandy warhol's bollocks Mm. uh is not your mate at all um but weirdly i actually kind of think they work better when they're not trying to be like at the driving and when they are trying to be a bit more restrained yes
1: Well, well well yes which a lot of this record is um I do I will say I think it's somewhat beguiling as to why this has been released as a Sparta album as opposed to say a Jim Ward solo album or just a different band because obviously there's no bar Jim Ward, there's no members left of the original Sparta lineup. Um but that said I'm kinda glad it's been released as a Sparta album because if it had been released under Ward's name alone, I might not have bothered to check this out. Um and that might be the reason why it was released as a Sparta album. Yeah. <laughs> what I just said yeah. there. Um, and this is totally different from what Sparta I've done before. And it's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. It's far more of a sort of heartland rock direction. Did you pick up on that?
0: A little bit. I mean, like I say, I think the kind of stuff like um the female vocals and the male vocals dual Jewel, duopoly mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on Spirit Away does feel far more like a kind of you know an American indie rock thing mm-hmm. rather than anything to do with punk or hardcore or post hardcore yep. for sure Um and you know they released the song Turquoise Dream was one of the first songs I think was, was the first song they released from it maybe Um I know it's definitely got released a single and I think that's again that shows a bit of restraint I, I, I think, think that's it's a, got... It's a nice song.
1: I think that's got pretty big Gaslight Anthem vibes, that song. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, Yeah. I can see that 100%. Mm. Uh, I didn't realise it was the first single, but yeah.
0: Um, And I think, I mean, like I say, that kind of... Where they're a bit more low-key, I mean, they, they, you know, there is a few... There are a few kind of punkier, shoutier bits on the record. Yeah, and Cat it, Scream, I, t- Class Blue. Yeah, yep. And they tend to lose me a little bit when they when they get to those oh, parts, to be honest.
1: Interesting. Um, I didn't mind those songs i my th- suspicion was that you were going to be a bit more against the really, really pianoy material. You don't tend to like pianos unless they're burning for seventeen minutes, do you? (laughs)
0: That's not true at all. I like the pianos. I like the. I love the piano, mate. I got. I still got tickets to see Elton John. If fingers crossed, if he tours at the end of the year.
1: It was a throwaway joke, and he's not going to. I know. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) fucking hell! Crushing,
0: just crushed me. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I, um, I was thinking the other day, I wonder how long how much of your life you spent listening to 17 minutes worth of piano burning over and over again. And like you could have probably written a book in that time.
0: No, no. It has <laughs> been about four four or five hours, I
1: that's a lot Okay, you couldn't write a book in that time, but that's a lot of piano burning. No,
0: I could I could I could write which kills the entire kill switch engage. Back catalog, worst to best article for Metal Hammer that i was gone up today. I could have written, that took me about five hours. Okay.
1: <laughs> well, you only like have to science.
0: listen. Like a scientist deciding is, is atonement better than the first self titled one? Oh, I have to weigh it all up. <laughs> you just put that. That takes all, about five.
1: You put them all on the same spot, don't you? Because they all sound the same.
0: No. We're <laughs> 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 not doing this. <laughs> um. <laughs> no, mate funnily enough, quite the opposite. I actually, um, it's not that I don't, I don't, you know, I don't dislike the heavier songs. It's just all of my favourite ones, like Miracle. Um right. and Miracle, Miracle's got a kind of low slung bass. Yeah. Talking heads off beat rhythmic thing. Quite, you know, it's, it's good. It's not too like, jazzy and crazy all over the place. It's not a million miles away from something like, I don't know, like Rival Schools, I thought. Mm. Yeah. And I, you know, Rival Schools are not a, a heavy punk band, but they do, you know, they're much more weighted towards, you know, the the melody and the the catchiness of of everything, and I and I quite like that, and I I really think that kind of the Radiohead style melotron bits on the the last song, No One Can Be Nowhere, is really good. Yes, that kind of proggy melotron, but then then that does have a little bit of shouty punkiness at the end. Yes, and I just think overall i think that's the best song on the record frankly the,
1: the outro to that song um remind it makes me vaguely recollect uh pearl jam's rearview mirror which is one of my favorite mm. songs by my favorite band so that's never going to be a bad thing for me um i don't know why it just does um it, you know it, this is a dynamic and short record which are two qualities i tend to admire and appreciate in music um I think the songs themselves vary in quality between really good and fairly yeah it's okay Um, but there's far more of the former than the latter I think Um, funnily enough Steve uh, and this is a bit of an about turn for me but I think it's shortness may be its biggest weakness
0: i don't know about that well the only
1: only reason i say that is because it just makes the album as a whole feel a little bit slight a little bit small um and i think some of the ideas on here could have done with just a little bit of expansion i'm not talking like double the length or anything like that but this album is 33 minutes and 16 seconds and i wonder if it could have been 43 minutes Um, just if you just expanded a couple of bits here and there, I mean, some of this, like, it is, it's, that is very unlike me, you know, I mean, um, it's too long, seems to have become some sort of catchphrase on this show, um, which is mainly because of me, um, but I, uh, I I actually felt like some of the songs could have benefited from being a, a tad longer. I mean, Cat Scream, which might not be one of your favourites because it's one of the rockier ones, but it gets in and out in two minutes and it feels so mm. quick that you don't feel like you've really got into the song by the time it's done. Um, Very unusual thing for me to say, and I'm not sitting here and saying guaranteed it would be a better record if it were longer, but I suspect it would be.
0: I mean it's not, not there sure is something that. coming up later on which I do think is too slight and it's not ah. this oh um, interesting okay uh, uh, no I think this is a kind of this is a punk rock record and I think it's okay to be uh, I think I mean even the shorter songs like Cat Scream I was like oh, this is sort of fairly bo-. Like, I'm happy for that to only be two minutes frankly okay because you know Believe is two minutes 38 Graveyard Luck is mm-hmm. two minutes and five they're mm-hmm. the ones that are like I don't know. I think every every idea on this record to me feels like it's sort of is taken as far as it can go. I think.
1: Fair enough. Uh, and, and and I and, think
0: thirty three minutes for a punk record is perfectly far enough. I, if I this is a punk record,
1: I don't think it. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, is it a punk mm. record? I mean, barely is what I would say to that. um Yeah, it's clearly been made by a punk, but it doesn't feel like a punk record to be honest. No, it's um, true uh yeah I, I i i'm not sort of taking massive points of it for being as short as it is it was just an observation and one i thought was worth mentioning just because it it's uh it's nice to hear me say it that way round rather than the other way yeah, around for once it is. um it is. <laughs> but um but you know it, it, it i'd much much rather a record be too short than too long mm. any day yeah me too so, me too you know so
0: uh, and it is short. It just feels just about right. I mean, when it ended, I was I was getting to the point where I was like, I'm sort of I feel like I've heard everything I need to hear now. So Fair I enough. was all right with it. Fair but enough. um, but it's it, it's all right. I would say it's all right. So, yeah, there right. you go. Yeah. I Trust I, the river.
1: I like it. I would implore people to listen to it. Don't go in with massive expectations. But if you don't mm. go in with massive expectations, I think you might be pleasantly surprised is what I would say about yeah. it. Yeah.
0: Fair enough. Yeah, it's all right. Um, Trust the River by Sparta. uh, That is out now. Let's move on to our next record, which is the self-titled record, although it's actually their second record, from The Ditch and The Delta. Um, They are a Utah-based sludge band, although sludge doesn't really do this justice. Um, The reason I've put this above two bands who arguably have a... You know, well, I definitely have a bigger back catalogue and do, yeah. certainly have a bigger profile, especially in one's case, is that this record is fucking brilliant. Um fucking brilliant. It I, I agree. Like a punk rock record and it smashes you like an extreme metal record, which is not normally what we talk about when we talk about sludge bands. No. Um I think there's a hell of a lot more to this than just calling them sludge i mean when the first track comes in like a wave of sewage being slammed into your face it is fuck from the moment it just goes at you this is a really really exciting record
1: yeah the beginning of this record it starts well it's just instant isn't it you're instantly in the ditch of the deltas world um they're self-described as huge fast piss to doom which I think is actually quite accurate. Um, and as you said, it's their second album. Uh, came out digitally on April the 27th, but the physical version actually comes out the day that you'll be listening to this podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, so excellent. Uh, well done, us. That is not a coincidence at all. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it comes crashing in, doesn't it? it? It's like a wave of... I mean, a Sludge is going to come up a lot in this review but it is like a wave of sludge um but 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 this is so much beyond what a lot of sludge bands do i think uh due to things like like i don't know there's a wicked middle eastern flavor towards the end of malt which i think is absolutely amazing um i think they have uh, i was about to say i think they have more groove than most sludge bands do but then a lot of sludge bands have groove I don't
0: know. They're just really fucking good, aren't they? Um, well, what they do is they have... The second song is called Exile, and yes. it has this almost Deftones-style tonality to it, which you never hear in Sludge. Never, ever, ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's lovely, but it's it's way less subtle or melodic than Deftones. But it's really not a million miles away. And the outro to... Um, Hirith sort of has that as well. That massive, expansive thing that Deftones do, which is, like you say, really groovy, really heavy, really catchy, but also really expansive. Um, They do that. And that's not to say, you know, you wouldn't put this on and go, oh, you know, like when we talked about the Loathe record and we were like, oh, it sounds like Deftones. Like a lot of it sounds like Deftones. It's not obvious in any way, but I was like, fucking hell, that really, that could be like a Steph Carpenter riff if he was you know trying to cover i hate god or something
1: yeah oh i can see that yeah definitely um do you want to hear my quick sell on this band mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Condra meets clutch
0: yeah that's good yeah yeah um it, yeah. that's
1: not that's not entirely that's not 100 percent accurate in my opinion but if you just want a you know token thing to throw out and go oh hello that's pulled me in i think Condra meets clutch is not too far away uh there is more to it than that though um from the press release it said on the new album the trio, this is just a trio, by the way, fuck me. Fucking uh, hell, is it? Yep. Embarked on a mission to redraw the boundaries of how sludge music was perceived. Slow didn't have to mean boring and heavy didn't mean to have to m- mean lack of technicality. Um now apart from that slight flaw at the end there, because you know, my sugar carbon between the period and me. Um I think that whole embarking on a mission to redraw the boundaries of sludge it does sound like that to me it does sound like they've taken a music which generally has fairly narrow boundaries we talk about this all the time i do mainly and it does feel like they've been expanded um i mean i would have put it in a less wanky way than they approach sludge differently to other people um but you know that that is pretty much what they're doing and there's a lot of sludge bands that sound quite similar let's not piss around you know uh, it, it's not it's not oh, yeah. it's not seen as being a particularly diverse genre but this feels quite different to what other sludge bands do i mean yeah there's queens of the stone age in here i think mm. you know there's clutch there's Conjure. there's like it's it's big you said Deftames. well
0: yeah i mean that opening guitar part on the song to Teutonic to selves is pure brent hines
1: yes yes absolutely you
0: know um there's bits of Like when they just let things ring out, it's like neurosis. But they kind of do sludge via that sits somewhere in between. So it's like crowbar, but sitting in between mastodon and neurosis on one side and then black breath and all pigs must die on the other side. Like it's got that really kind of that super harsh, hardcore extremity to it. But it's also, like you say, it's got the kind of the proggy, d- doomy, crushing parts of, it, you know, there, there, are, there are different ways to, to to crack an egg, aren't there, Renfrey? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> and, and, do you know what and, I mean? And, and they the crack and the Delta, them in many ways. Yes,
1: absolutely. You've already mm. said it. But yeah, yeah. Um, the Ditch and the Delta don't just go for scrambled over mm. easy. Yeah. They can it's give not you fried. Ma- they can give you, um, what's the one where you put it in water?
0: Boiled, <laughs> poached <laughs> they, they as well. if give you
1: poached, like yeah. They have all the eggs. They have the baskets. Mm. They have the eggs. If you want eggs, ditching. <laughs> You're not enjoying. I feel this like
0: anymore. we've. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. It was going really well, I thought, and then it suddenly went into like they've got baskets and eggs. It's like yeah. Well, you know they've got eggs. We're talking about. <laughs> them no. having eggs
1: <laughs> I, I i didn't want to pe- people to have the idea that they'd be carrying all these eggs in their hands and i wanted them to mm. know that they had baskets and everything the eggs were going to be yeah.
0: okay i mean basically it's fucking heavy <laughs> yes it's heavy heavy it's yeah. heavy all sorts of heavy sort of ironic
1: ironic that they sell eggs really because you know heavy things yeah. crush eggs
0: well and that Well, that, this is my point they crush the eggs in so many different ways. You were talking about the cooking of the eggs. Fuck cooking the eggs. I think mean, fuck the cooking them. Not interested in cooking them. We're just gonna smash them. One with a mallet. One with my bare hands. One with a forehead. One just lightly with a one with a dart. Hold a dart up. Trying throw a dart at it. And one with like a sort of scalpel. Loads of different cat 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 cat. cat. One people. you take the yolk and you, you sort of. Squeeze the yolk really hard and then you get the white and you just spit it on the floor and then get a, a dog to lick it up mm-hmm.
1: but of course we all know that the Beatles were the first band to break eggs weren't they
0: i'm not going to do this every time <laughs>
1: all right fine go I'm on not... move on move on go
0: on. what's funny is the Beatles do actually think they invented paul mccartney does actually think he invented metal i know he does yeah. and it's you know and for joe nan listening uh who's keeps on slagging off the Beatles. Mm. One day you're gonna listen to She's So Heavy by Abbey Road and go, Oh by the Beatles on, on like Abbey type- Road. Yeah. By the beat Yeah. Uh and you go, Oh, that sounds a bit like typo negative. And then you're gonna feel like a fucking idiot for slagging <laughs> them off. <laughs> Not that I think they invented metal, but you know what I mean. Nah. They they're a big yeah. Uh they're good. Anyway, look, <laughs> this record's fucking great really it's great. wonderful
1: it's wonderful and mm. i implore everyone listening to this show who's vaguely interested in heavy music whatsoever to go and check it out i had never even heard of this band before um i haven't gone back to their first album yet but i'm gonna be doing that very very soon mm. this is it sounds like it's your favorite release of the week is that correct steve
0: it sounds like it is but here comes the heel turn, Remfrey. That's a ditch in the delta, but a delta when ditch in a delta because it's actually not. Good. Which brings us on to our next record, which is by Bambara. Um, the album is called Stray. I just put that in there because I thought it was It broke it up. No, fair. Lovely. Sort of a punk, post-hardcore to post-punk to heavy Mm -hmm. to whatever Jarbo is. was a bit... Anyway, um, the fourth full-length album from the New York post-punk band, a band that I was not familiar with at all. This is the follow-up to 2018's Shadow on Everything. Uh, Renfri, tell me about this band, please.
1: Okie dokie. Well, credit where it is due, and you know I don't like to give this man credit, but fuck it. Um, Andy Gillen from The Palm Readers. Uh, Mm. told me about this band the night of our big fat alternative quiz uh the second night um we then slept together uh that is a true story but we slept together in the same bed uh so clear your mind of that filth
0: this is not going to make people want to listen to this record (laughs) at all
1: we've not been doing these catch-ups for very long but we've already covered some pretty good records on them i think mark Lanigan from last week bear from last week i'm gonna chuck in mogwai i'm gonna chuck in the ditch and the delta now if you don't mind too as well um but i shall say this to you sir uh steve if you don't like this album i will eat (laughs) my own shit
0: ah shit (laughs) that's a shame that's a shame, because I can't pretend that I don't like this because it's so great. <laughs> but I would love to. I would love to go. Nah, it's just a shit Danzig, isn't it?
1: <laughs> Danzig is a shit Danzig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, this yeah, is you. Nick Cave meets Daughters, isn't it, Steve?
0: Yeah. This is absolutely outstandingly brilliant, this record. It's I've written, wonderful. I love it. I've written Nick Cave, that last Pixies album, Wicked Game by Chris Isaac, Danzig, because I think it's relevant. Yeah. Twin Peaks, Girl yeah. you Be A Woman Soon from Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Um, usually when we talk about post-punk, because I said post-punk, we tend to be referencing UK 80s bands from the, from the UK, right? So we tend to be talking about, um, uh, you know, Pill, and like the, the banshees and um uh you know all all the ones that i normally do like for joy division all those kind of but i don't know why i just forgot every single post-punk band <laughs> you <laughs> in fucking the world. love post-punk uh, what's wrong with it i you? know it's mad isn't it? Uh, I, I have no on. idea um but you know it was um we don't tend to mention you know a lot of st- like like peter ubu or um Uh, I suppose you do mention Talking Heads a fair bit and actually Talking Heads isn't really relevant to this particularly either because it's definitely not like I do apologize that's quite right that kind of when you think of kind of American post-punk some people think of stuff like Talking Heads and Devo and this is definitely not what we're talking about but I also don't think it's really relevant to your joy divisions or your pills or The Cure or stuff like that although it is very very gothy now Mm, mm. really what this is is kind of spaghetti western film noir natural born killers quentin tarantino music yes that's
1: very good that's very good steve isn't it very good yes that's really good um well i mentioned nick cave meets daughters i i actually when i say that i specifically mean let love in by nick cave and you won't Mm -hmm. get what you want by daughters sort of splurged together and mixed up like properly mixed up to make something smack bang in the middle of those two things but actually the tarantino thing is is as good if not an even better descriptor um yeah it's uh i just love it um it's nice to make a comparison to Nick Cave when you can actually say that the lyricist has a shout out for possibly being as good a lyricist as Nick Cave. When have we yeah, ever done lyricists. that? Um, mm. I'm just just going to give you an example death rides at night in a copper pinto candy in the glove box where a revolver would go his bones are trapped in greasy fat and he's shaking as he laughs a joke at jokes about the weather and news from fire at the mill letting parched mosquitoes drink their fill between his knuckles on the wheel while he's while he laughs like baby pigs squeal i mean it's poetry i just read it back there in a frankly pitiful manner and it still sounded like the best thing you've ever heard you know um and it did uh, because it's so beautiful, the words are just amazing. It's the prose is just incredible. The pictures that he paints, and I just realised I've totally forgotten his name. Reed Bate. Oh God! And now I've mis- mangled his name. But uh, his name's Reed. Um, the images that he conjures in his lyrics and the the, the stories he tells. I mean, Seraphina is the song that Andy Gillen yeah. played, played me on that fateful night when we slept together. Um, and it's the, the story of that song, it's just about like an arsonist, but it's incredible. And the video like flashes up all the lyrics as it goes. And And I thought the music was amazing when I first heard it, but it was the lyrics that really suckered me. And personally, I think this is such a good album. This is, uh, it's in... It, it's going to be one of our albums of the year right as, as, in, oh, as God, it's yeah. going to be in our top 20 yeah
0: uh yeah absolutely i mean the thing is i've it was the one of this week that i came to last right right and i knew nothing about it and i was like oh yeah i don't, I don't know who this band are and so i've only had a few days listening to it i must have listened to it five times i think it's fucking amazing it's um seraphina as you mentioned is just incredible right. um there's a song on it called Ben and Lily, which I, is that the one where he talks about? There's one where he says he, he throws his daughter in the fire or in the river or something mm. like something about throwing the baby away. And he's just like, fucking, did you just say throw a baby in the river or something? Well, again, again
1: just like Nick Cave, lots of biblical imagery and so on and so forth. Yeah. So, and yeah. It, yeah. It, it. Burning and, bushes and,
0: and yeah. Yeah. And like brutal, brutal imagery dressed yes. up in unbelievably poetic and you know kind of um in beautiful prose beautiful pro yeah like mm. really really beautiful and and you know like away from the lyrics as well i think just you know I, i've mentioned tarantino spaghetti western and you know film noir slide guitar u.s detective show film noir, underground show. cinematic twang that yep. all of this has yep. when that set sa- when that saxophone comes in on stay yes. cruel it's just so cool yeah it's just so cool yeah it's effortlessly cool i mean the only band i think that come within touching distance in terms of that like you are fucking marlon brando on on the waterfront cool is or not on the waterfront because he's not um the the way he's on the bike the wild ones yes the wild cool. bunch what's that called? the wild wa- bunch no that's the western um rebel without a cause isn't it
1: that's um, Jimmy Dean. James Dean. That's James
0: Fucking Dean. hell. What's it called? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Like mm-hmm. Marlon Brando on the chopper. You know that film. Mm-hmm. I can't mm-hmm. remember what that film's called now. Um, but that kind of US gangster kind of mm-hmm. icon thing. Only Girls Against Boys get even vaguely close to capturing that level of like, oh, fuck, this dude is like a fucking hero. There's a few people, you know, we've spoken about Keith Buckley and... Um, neil fallon and Mm. a lot of sort of modern lyricists who do have that as well but they don't quite have it in that i mean this feels like everything has been taken from like 1950s hollywood Mm. do you know what i mean it's like the whole thing it's and and that's not to say that it's not heavy or contemporary sounding or no i know it it does like musically remind me of danzig and and lots of of it, kind of it has heavy a heavy stuff
1: it has a surface sheen and glamour to it but underneath it's very very ugly indeed i mm. think i think that's what you mean by that or well, that's what i've taken yeah. from what you said. yeah
0: I, I think what i mean is it it sounds classic yes. while still remaining contemporary as yeah. well on a oh, sorry on a sort of surface level renfrey's just knocked me just on you. the floor um <laughs> Throwing me around, you big brute. Um, but yeah, this is this is absolutely brilliant. This record, it's incredible, absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And you're right, like Daughters, and I mean, if you like that Daughters album, you'll I'm sure you'll really really enjoy this. And we should Nick say Cave, it's,
1: it's not as sonically abrasive as Daughters, so don't no, don't be don't be expecting. Um, I don't think this is a difficult album to listen to, um, but I think if you are a Daughters fan. Um, You'll still see similarities, definitely.
0: You'll appreciate it. Yes. For sure. I would have thought
1: so. I think. I would have thought so. Yeah. Unless unless it yes. has to be heavy. Unless it has to be sonically heavy. Then then maybe not so mm. much. But, you know, grow up.
0: It's... i going to put it on myself. Um, so anyway, go and check that out. It's called Stray. The band are called Bambara. I'm going to go back to all their other three albums as, as well. Because... Yeah. That this is fucking amazing.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm if if all four bands, uh, sorry, if all four albums are as good as this one, um, we are talking about a world-class band, in my opinion. Yeah,
0: for sure. They are amazing. Um go and have a little listen to that. Okay, let's close up by talking about Jarbo. Um, Illusory is the thirty-third album from the US Avant Garde vocalist, singer, songwriter. Uh, whatever she is, um, which came out on the 17th of April. Now, Remfrey Jarbo. Um, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I've heard <laughs> enough Jarbo to be able to really know where this would sit in the pantheon of her back catalogue. Most people in Neither heavy am I. music, most people in heavy music probably um, would be aware of her due to her work that she did on the excellent um, split EP with Neurosis um she's done some stuff with mersbow as well which is very critically acclaimed but like personally i don't really know loads about jarbo i haven't heard loads you are, you are missing How, it
1: you are missing out the big band she's connected with
0: well yeah doing I, mean, that on you know, purpose? I was oh, sorry okay sorry well i was i was sort of doing that on purpose um oh, but you know go on well okay let's get to know obviously she was in swans as well
1: uh, her biggest association is with swans yeah, yeah. um which uh uh that's the first thing i think of when i hear the name jarbo myself Mm -hmm. um but yes absolutely those other bands as well she's also been a skin black mouth uh, to be honest with you the amount of projects that she's been a part of or guested on or whatever probably as many as her albums because you said Mm. she had 33 didn't you it's ridiculous yeah
0: well i mean what i was going to say was that um (coughs) due to us reviewing um swan's leaving meaning record which ended up being my third or fourth I think it was fourth, wasn't it? It's Favourite album of of twenty nineteen. An yeah. album that I still go back to, I think it's fucking brilliant. Um, An album
1: that I probably should have put in my list, I will say. Yeah. I hadn't it's... really heard it enough when we came around to doing our list, but I probably should have put it in. Yeah.
0: Mm. I suddenly was like, Ooh, this is a really good chance to listen to Jarbo's um uh solo material, even though I mean her connection with swans at this point is loose i think isn't it yeah these days i think um but yeah but in general uh, th- th- this is one of th- mm. like it's not even 33 records it's fucking loads of records mm, mm. like more loads more than 33 obviously um how many have you heard renfrey
1: of her solo material
0: just of her in general
1: eek uh, on the Odd Swans record, The Neurosis and, and Jarbo, Um I think it's an album, um, rather than an EP. Yeah, it is an album. Uh, did I say EP? You, you, said, you did, but it's fine. Oh, I uh, thought I said
0: Split, actually, which was wrong as well. Yeah. Uh,
1: <laughs> 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 either way, um, uh, I've heard that. Uh, I'm sure I've heard her guest on albums in the past, but I cannot recall them mm. now um a, 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 a mere slither of what she's actually released would be the answer to that question not a lot yeah
0: so i was quite excited about listening to this because i was like oh this is a really good opportunity to get you know a first sort of way into solo stuff and blah 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 and you was know exactly I, exactly why i put know, it in exactly um yep yeah. um i have to say this we used to mention about sparta earlier this feels a little bit slight to me this is 37 minutes seven songs um
1: 35 minutes i think 35 minutes 6 seconds yeah
0: yeah I, I just was sort of expecting a little bit more than what i got yes I yes
1: um i don't like to keep bringing up this scene again and again and again because it, it it's a it's a it's one that we talk about a lot because we both love it but we don't actually like the name that's been attributed to, attributed to it um and i'd in order to make that name die i think well don't keep bringing it up then but undoubtedly there is this big thing with death gospel at the moment the whole you know the chelsea Mm -hmm. wolves the Emily ruth Rundles, yeah williams yada. yada, yada. um one thing i will the kind of reason i bring it up is because i whilst i don't think you know louise lemon and chelsea wolf sound the same at all um i do think that jarbo likely influenced all of them so i yes. do i do think her imprint because she's sort of uh the the veteran version i'm trying i'm trying to say this in a nice way which isn't just me saying she's old uh she started doing music when in 1984 which was the year before i was born she 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 got into the public eye in 1984 she's been doing this for 36 years you know what like she's, yeah. she's a massive influence on a lot of people um so i think there's been she's certainly been an integral part of dark experimental rock music for 36 years i think that's fair to Mm say um and honestly i like this album steve but i find it extraordinarily difficult to love it if i'm honest um i actually think there's some very cool quite individualistic touches to it it doesn't quite sound like anything else I think anyone who does feel that that entire scene it all sounds the same you know do me a favor and listen to a song from this and then listen to a Louise Lemon song and then reevaluate because uh, <laughs> they're, they're very very different indeed um, but for me this album probably strays a little bit too far into the avant-garde realm for me to be able to put for be able, me to be able to put my hand on heart and say that I love it. Um, but there is a lot of stuff to admire on it, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, Arrival creates a choir of vocal looks loops that stack up on one another and these backwards piano chords come in to create something that's not too dissimilar to like Porter said, if they suddenly took a very gothy turn, you know, which sounds really interesting and intriguing, especially on paper. Um, And I'm happy to report that in practice. It sounds really fucking good as well. The only thing is, I find that the experimentalism on this album maybe gets in the way of her actually getting down to business and writing songs.
0: Yes, there's not much in the way. It all feels a little bit slight, as I mentioned, because Mm. it is quite short. And I feel like the ideas probably would need a bit more fleshing out and i did yeah i kind of i sort of sat down and i strapped myself in expecting something which is longer and more of a journey whereas actually it feels a bit bitty all of it to me like, yeah which feels odd to when after the sparta album's got like two minute long songs the shortest thing on here is three minutes and 16 which is cathedral um there's songs like into the arms of sleep which i think is really does that that kind of ethereal Um, wistful thing really well and Mm. it's 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 good it's just um the turns feel sharp and kind of disjointed and yeah uh, and i don't really ever get the sense of it feeling like a like an album do you know what i mean like that swan's record whether or not that last Swans record and most swan's records actually is that whether or not you like what you're being put through it does feel cohesive and I think that's the thing about a lot of avant-garde music is even if you don't quite if you don't like it or you don't understand it I think it kind of succeeds or fails with its level with the level of cohesion that it has and I did I did find this to be quite a kind of like I say just quite bitty and disjointed and I don't I think if you're gonna commit to some weird ideas I felt like I, I think you need to really kind of sort of double down and commit to them. And this for me sort of, it just didn't quite work as a record in full. But like you say, I think there's some really nice production touches on it. I think, you know, you mentioned the the choir of the multiple multi track vocals, which sounds incredible. It yeah. does really sound incredible, but it just it didn't really like you say it's not really it didn't really feel like a song
1: yeah um i mean in a way for me it's quite nice to put something like this in here because for me to turn around and say i want i want the songs on here to be a bit more traditional structured in a sort of verse chorus verse manner i very rarely say that (laughs) you know but actually with jarbo as i say i'm not even saying she should do this i'm just saying for my tastes she ventures too far down that avant-garde avenue and considering that i'm mr avant-garde or to to a lot of people i am considered my tastes are considered incredibly avant-garde i'm not mr avant-garde that's ridiculous um you know i think i think that coming from me is quite the statement to make you know um you mentioned cathedral um which sounds really cool. It's got like a choir of Jarbos and this really strange dissonance and it's very odd, very unique, I'd say. But the only thing for me is it never really manages to get to a place where I could honestly call it like a song. And mm. on one hand, that's a really reductive statement to me because what is a song if not a collection of musical notes that are strung together in a vaguely coherent way, you know? Mm. But on the other hand and this is going to sound very unlike me, Steve, but I wouldn't have minded a chorus or two chucked in there every so often. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Um, I'm not saying that this should have all been traditional verse, chorus, verse structure, but I don't even want half of it to be, to be honest. But I don't know, maybe it would have been a bit stronger if maybe a quarter of it was that, just to anchor these experimental ideas onto something.
0: I think when you you compare it to some of the artists that, she has influenced it, kind of feels like they've usurped what she does. I would um, agree with that, to be honest. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, and, and that doesn't you know, and that's that's fine because I think they're like you mentioned, they're doing something very, very different. Um, yeah, but a bit like Mushroom
1: know, Head have usurped Pink Floyd now,
0: <laughs> mm. um, <laughs> not even them, the, I mean, they're really not the same at I all. Know. <laughs> like, what a weird. Weird thing, Caligula's horse, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Do you know what? It's not like, and and maybe the point is, you know, we could sit here sounding like, you know, I'm sure there will be fans of this sort of thing and go, Well, you just it's avant garde and you just don't get it, and yeah, probably. like, like, like they did with Sun, you know, yeah, you just yeah. don't get it. Um, nah,
1: people weren't too bad with that, I don't think, but yeah, I know what you mean,
0: no, I know, but you know, but um, but for me, it's like, I don't think this is a million miles away from stuff that. I do listen to and I do get it's just not of I don't want to say it's not as good but it's just it it's lacking in things that are far more enjoyable that those artists have that this just doesn't seem to have and whether it doesn't want to have that maybe it doesn't want to have that it's not embarrassing like I thought sort of the Kim Gordon record was sort of a bit embarrassing wasn't it that like you just thought you've you've missed the point quite a lot here, here is i don't think this is i think this may totally be by design that there's no choruses and it's bitty and it's really fucking all over the place
1: well i think it probably is to be honest i think it probably is by design but but Mm. just because something is by design doesn't make it better that's what i would argue to that i mean some people will prefer it being this way but you know if you think we're obnoxious those people are going to be really fucking obnoxious so you know
0: yeah uh, but anyway, there you go. Oh, <laughs> a little warning there from the Um That's Illusory by Jarbo. Uh, it's out now. And it brings us on to the end of the show where we end, as we always do, with broken records. Where we search for the worst record of all time. We have, Remfrey. we have mm. a top ten, mm. don't we? we do. Let's go from the bottom at ten. Bob Dylan self-portrait at nine. Metal Machine Music by Lou Reed at 8 the enemy streets in the sky at 7 dirty vegas is 1 at 6 viva brothers famous first words number 6 that's mental um, 5 is louis the 14th slick dogs and ponies queen and paul rogers or um, what did i call <laughs> beadop and the hornyman Yes. Um, the cosmos rocks number 3 shamefully low place uh, for last week's hilarity the 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 king of rock or and the rock boys um Richard Ashcroft, United Nations be, of Sound.
1: He prefers to be known as Captain, I believe. But.
0: Captain. Oh yeah, Captain Rock. That's what it's called. Um, Eoghan Quig, self-titled is number two and still hanging on in there like a bad smell. Six Feet Under's Graveyard Classics, volume two. But this week, um, if you thought we had a lovely, old, fun, funny, hilarious time last week um, laughing at Richard Ashcroft, I, I can tell you now there will be no repeat of that. Um, this week, because we're talking about MTV Unplugged 2.0 by Lauren Hill, which came out on the 7th of May 2002, but crucially was recorded nearly a year before on the 21st of first of June 2001. Um, this feels... Oh,
1: is that <laughs> crucial?
0: Well, the fact that it took a year for it to come out before mm. it sort of saw the light of day.
1: Nirvana was not quite a year, but not long on not it was like nine months or so yeah it was recorded in 1993 it's towards the end of 93 but it took almost a year to come out i think
0: oh all right maybe it isn't crucial at all then i just assumed that was lots of like well i I, I, release this
1: you do you do the intro and i will double check that um but yeah i believe that's the case
0: uh this is quite far outside of the usual type of thing that renfrey and i cover on this show we've done bits and bobs about hip-hop before we've not really done anything which is i guess sort of soul music although this is you might think you know what lauren hill is um she refers to herself during this mtv unplugged live set as a uh, hip-hop folk musician so you know there is a little bit of a, a crossover there um there's not, only not a, few a million of,
1: miles away off either from, no, no. from this release and this release alone
0: yeah there are a few of these artists that um from sort of soul music that i really love i love amy winehouse i love that lauren hill record um back to black by amy winehouse i love the miseducation of lauren hill i think is great during the kind of i guess you'd call it the jiggy era of hip-hop which was pretty <laughs> like admittedly yeah some of them are a quote-unquote bangers some of those songs but it was a fairly obnoxious time to be listening to hip-hop music um in around 1998 when the miseducation of lauren hill came out Um, she was already a pretty big star after being a member of the fujis and you know let's be honest here the other two in the fujis Pras and wycliffe jean went on to do pretty much nothing of any artistic note whatsoever Um, but lauren hill released a fucking fantastic record lush personal really intelligent really classy beautifully brilliantly produced and it got loads of critical acclaim and five ground it five grammys Mm. um renfrey you don't strike me as someone who would be much of a lauren hill fan and would i be fair to say
1: well i've 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 never listened to that record um so uh i suppose the answer is yes but i've also never given lauren hill uh she's not the sort of artist that i would normally go to at all so I can't hmm. really say either way, but um, hmm. uh, probably not. Um, can I do the unplugged stuff just to fill in super, super quickly? Nirvana um, yeah, sure. Nirvana was recorded November 18th, 1993, but it was released November 1st, 1994. So that oh, was okay. almost a year. Having said that, I did check Alice in Chains quickly as well, because let's face it, it's the best. Um, yep. And that was recorded April 10th, 96 and released on CD July 30th, 96. So it... It looks like it depends, but it also looks like it doesn't necessarily mean that it's unusual.
0: Oh, okay. just, to clarify, I, I assu- just to clarify, I assume that that was sort of an unusual thing to do. um Of course, what most people now talk about um when they talk about Lauren Hill is that they say that she was the one who uh, she'd rather a children starve to death than white people listen to her music, and that's sort of been a stick to beat her with for a very very long time. But I'm sort of fine with that because a, I mean, obviously you can't be right. Ru- can't be racist to white people can you that's not that's not possible um and i'm joking you can and b there is absolutely more importantly there is absolutely no evidence of that quote from anywhere Mm. nowhere at all this is an urban legend it's like prince getting his ribs removed so he could suck his own knob which later became oh it's marilyn manson got his ribs removed Mm. it's it's not true which later became renfrey (laughs) deadman Yeah, <laughs> yes it did. But it just goes to show what people think of Lauren Hill. I mean, in fact, I've I've actually looked to see if I could I mean, I've looked everywhere to see if I could find the origin of that story and apparently it's um during a Howard Stern show. Um which you would have thought there'd be footage some right? sort of some somewhere yeah, some, somewhere I mean, yeah somewhere, somewhere would have put it up on that you know uh, and the st- the statements there are four statements that people it said if i'd have known white people going to buy my last album i never would have recorded it i would rather my children starve than have white people buy my albums i would rather die than have a white person buy my album um uh, and also i'd rather see babies starve and die than have white kids buy the fuji's record all those four different quotes have been attributed to lauren hill and the thing that she said um i guess i I don't believe what you read
1: i watched mtv unplugged 2.0 this version because i managed to find a version online that i could watch and Mm -hmm. um maybe a quarter of the audience was white and she didn't seem to have a problem with it so
0: you know yeah um, I just thought I'd mention that as it seems to be the thing that a lot of people go well, know, well Lauren Hill said that and that's disgusting I think it's I fair to do that. She said that
1: I didn't know that until we actually spoke about it last week but um, I mentioned to my housemate Amy here that we were doing uh, Lauren Hill this week and she went oh the woman who said yada yada, yada. I was like oh that's interesting yeah. you say that
0: so, yeah. so <laughs> you know I maybe if she did say it there's absolutely no evidence of it being said anywhere so i don't think she said it um before we get into this record there is a rolling stone article called the mystery of lauren hill which i suggest if you're interested um you go and read um which came out just after this record which was released which kind of tells the story of how we got from the Fuji's and the success of the Fuji's and the success of the miseducation of Lauren Hill to the place we are where we are now. A lot of it is about her personal life, which I don't really think we're the sort of show that needs to get into this kind of Tatler, National Enquirer, gossip mongering stuff. Um, although I do think because of this record, it is kind of fairly important to at least acknowledge um what happened because unfortunately her personal life and what happened in her band kind of bleed into one another. So obviously the Fugees were massive Renfrey. You remember how big the Fugees were? Weren't you? Of course. Big yeah. thing. Yep. Um, they basically broke up because Wycliffe and Lauren Hill were having an, uh, an affair, a relationship, um, in the piece, the only one of them that is interviewed is Praz. Um, Wycliffe John says he doesn't want to be in the article. Lauren Hill, interestingly, will only be in, the in, in uh, contribute to the article if she is paid a significant sum of money. She came back and said, I don't want people profiteering from my story. Apparently, the interview she did before this, the last interview she did before this um, MTV unplugged show, she uh, demanded a check for $10,000 for being interviewed one. in a magazine. <laughs> you wouldn't get in a yeah, fucking magazine not, anymore that would not happen these days at no all. it absolutely would not happen um but is uh is interviewed and goes on records in that piece to call wycliffe John the cancer of the fujis basically completely blames him um for the breakup of the band for the way he treated lauren hill he actually got married to someone else whilst he was apparently still seeing lauren hill whilst the fujis were together And the whole thing is very messy. Um, During the last Fuji's tour, um, where everything was incredibly awkward, many of um, Lauren Hill's friends, including Pras, apparently tried to set her up with Rohan Marley, son of Bob Marley. Um, And when they began to date, uh, Hill was still seeing Wycliffe at the time. Um, When she fell pregnant, apparently nobody knew which one of those two men was the father originally. Oh, crikey, Okay. Um, I know this feels like kind of gossipy shit, but I think it all contributes to the mindset that went into making The Miseducation of Lauren Hill, which is the only reason that I bring it up here. And, um, and some
1: of these songs as well, surely. And yeah, yeah.
0: And, and definitely some of these songs as I well. I think at the end um, of the
1: day, if an artist writes about their personal life that much, you so it's difficult to not bring it, it up. Is. I mean, they've brought yeah. it up, so you could, yeah. yeah
0: so, mm. But I think more relevant... To the recording uh, of this MTV unplugged set is that the album The Miseducation of Lauren Hill was recorded in collaboration with a collective of songwriters called New Arc. In November 1998, New Arc filed a 50-page lawsuit against Lauren Hill, her management, and her record claim- a label, claiming that Hill used their songs and production skills but failed to properly credit them for the work on The Miseducation of Lauren Hill. Okay. Um, Didn't know that. that that is where Lauren Hill begins to really kind of spiral into depression and kind of disappearing from the public eye for an extended period. The one thing, so she claims that she did not, you know, she said she could handle the gossip and the tittle tattle and all that kind of stuff. What she didn't and couldn't handle was being discredited as an artist, as her work being her work. Um, she couldn't handle that and there's a bit on her Wikipedia page which I know is maybe not um, may not all completely be true but um, in this period apparently she began to write a screenplay about the life of Bob Marley which um, she planned to be um, to play his wife Rita she um, also turned down roles in the likes of charlie's angels the born identity the mexican the matrix reloaded and the matrix revolutions um she dropped out the public eye in the year 2000 after the pressures of fame began to overwhelm her she said that she she disliked not being able to go out of her house and do simple errands without having to worry about a physical appearance Um, She then fired her management team and began to attend Bible study classes five days a week, stopped doing interviews, stopped watching television. She stopped listening to music and she started associating herself with a spiritual advisor named brother Anthony. Um, Praz in the Rolling Stone piece mentions um, brother Anthony uh, and she says, and he says that he told her to go away and give away all of her worldly possessions. Now, he says he, he does kind of clarify He doesn't necessarily mean give all the worldly possessions to him, yeah. but she said he was a very, very controlling <laughs> kind of cult like attitude that this guy had and that Lauren Hill would preface anything she said she was going to do by saying brother Anthony has said that I should before she did pretty much anything. um. So um, anyway, that was kind of where she was before this set was recorded Um, so whilst pregnant with her third child she agreed to return to public life with this MTV appearance initially it was going to be a kind of full band greatest hit set a big return but she decided that the songs she'd been writing as a follow up to Miss Education would instead be debuted here um, just by her backed by herself on a guitar that she'd been learning for just a few months Um, the night before recording she had a rehearsal where she ripped her vocal cords to shred and could barely talk now despite a label and management pleading with her to reschedule the show she decided that she went ahead uh, to do the gig and that is what we have here in all of its uncut and unedited true glory um it got some pretty bad reviews a uh, two from the guardian um MTV unplugged 2.0 would have been vastly improved by some judicious editing sadly that is not the way with complete artistic control um every time we it's just, <laughs> she says um Every time we submit our will to another person's opinion, part of us dies. It is a sentiment that's rather undercut by this messy, inconsequential album. Entertainment Weekly called it maybe the most bizarre follow-up album in the history of popular music. Um, Also saying, Unplugged is baffling on so many levels, it's hard to know where to begin. Hill seems to... feel Miss education was commercially compromised, but if she thinks her songs are best served in bare-bones settings, she's wrong. She should have taken a cue from Bruce Springsteen who made his post Born in the USA Struggle Universal on Tunnel of Love, which was spare but never undernourished. Even more vexing, Hill puts her audience in an uncomfortable position. Are we supposed to feel we contributed to her crisis by buying so many copies of Miseducation? Uh, even our old mate Robert Christogu got involved. Robert Christogu called it one of the worst albums ever released by an artist of substance. Um, but saying that there are quite a few reviews and especially reviews that have come out in the last few years, these kind of re uh, appraisal Mm. uh, if you like of this record that have said how great it is that they have this kind of stripped down um, personal nature that these songs are are actually masterpieces that, you know, that that weren't allowed to flourish because of the machine, blah, 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 blah. But ultimately this record kind of sunk without a trace other than, the Mystery of Iniquity getting nominated for Best Rap Solo Performance at the Grammys that year. And Lawrence Hill's career kind of went after that. And we mm. never did get, nor does it look like we ever will get, a proper follow-up to the miseducation of Lauren, Lauren Hill, which I think is quite sad. Mm. Um, I, so have Renfrey, f- I have
1: a fair few defences for this record. Go on then. So, well, you know, I'm someone who did acoustic folky music for a short time. And something I learned about doing it for a few years is probably the most powerful weapon you have in that kind of music is emotion. Because at the end of the day, you're stripping everything back so much that really what you want to get across is a feeling. (laughs) i suppose it's difficult to talk about this kind of thing without sounding really fucking wanky but but that is you know the most like i adore damien rice and i go on about how wonderful damien rice is because he is so open and he is so honest and so forthright it's 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 hairs on the back of your neck kind of stuff i mean there's a song on nine which we did on a trade-off once called accidental babies which is just basically about how he's still sleeping with someone and having an affair with them and and he hopes that they don't have accidental babies whilst they're together otherwise they'll be in all sorts of trouble and it's like fuck me you're you're coming you're writing from a place of being a real cock um you know and it's just sort of the sort of uh shock of that and 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 seeing into those you know that's a very important part of this music i think i think lauren hill is having a damn fucking good go at trying to do that sort of thing not entirely successfully but I think it's brave Mm. for any artist to try frankly not bigging myself up here because I did but (laughs) but that's actually you know I've not gone into it loads on this podcast but that is actually the reason I started to do to to do it in the first place because I wanted to scare myself and I couldn't think of anything scarier but funnily enough Steve probably going into stand-up comedy than getting up in a room in front of 30 40 strangers and singing songs very bare bones which were about my life you know that seemed mm. really fucking scary to me so yeah um so i have an awful lot of admiration for hill doing this in lots of ways especially when she's only been playing the guitar for you know four months or whatever i mean nothing that she plays on here is complicated or difficult
0: but she doesn't three she, chords in it basically a, a lot the whole of it, thing is three chords
1: well you know yeah we'll get onto that in a moment i mean a lot of it is very very simple but she doesn't in terms of her technical guitar playing she doesn't make an idiot of herself because she doesn't reach she's not trying to do eruptions on an acoustic guitar like no. i mean as if anyone could do that if anyone suggested they could do that they'd be a fucking idiot and um, you know Whoa. <coughs> but um yeah um and i think i think she's partly successful at that and i think she partly isn't when i listen to these songs it is blindingly obvious to me that they are definitely about something like that is clear um i don't, I didn't have all of that background. A lot of that background stuff that you just filled out for me and us listening uh, was stuff that I didn't know. Um, but uh, I didn't feel like I could get the interpretation of these songs through the songs alone. I, I, I knew that they were all about something, and I could t- hazard a guess here and there. And from what you said, I would have got some right and some wrong um but uh it wasn't it wasn't particularly communicated to me what they are about um they weren't esoteric enough to make me feel the vague sense of a feeling rather than know exactly what it's about either so i was kind of left in a no man's land of kind of going i don't know really what this is about and then every single song on here as you've already sort of hinted at is repetitive in the extreme um to the point where yes often she is just playing well it's three chords and the truth as i say quite a lot she is playing three chords and the truth um but sometimes she's doing three chords and the truth for about nine and a half minutes and it is a bit she obviously has a lot that she wants to say and i feel that often her desire to say everything that she wants to say was more important to her than writing a good song <laughs> i would say yeah um Mm. however she sounds great i mean for someone whose voice was shot to shit the 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 day before it's only really the last couple of songs where it really becomes obvious that she's her voice is not in a good way and considering Mm. she's been i mean this is 106 minutes and 36 seconds considering she's been singing already for an hour and a half I think it's pretty impressive and even the last two songs aren't embarrassing like it's not an embarrassing performance at all um that it's just obvious that her voice is going you know Mm. um so I there's a lot to admire in it really I just think it's something that shoots for something that's very ambitious for an artist who hasn't tried to do this before um and it it doesn't hit but you know it's a first go at it really um i have to say i'm not i'm not 100 well yeah why is this record in here steve why is this record a broken
0: record because because of the the response to it Mm, mm. you know because of the response to it and because of (laughs) what it did to lauren hill's career i mean you know like we don't pick these this isn't me and you know just for absolute clarity about what you know when people go oh you're just going to pick a load of records that you hate and every week you're going to slag them off and laugh at them and and obviously that will happen sometimes Sometimes, as it did last week and then sometimes you'll get an album where you go well this album has been slated and it appears to have completely destroyed lauren hill's confidence we never got a follow-up you know and and there have been things that have come out post that going no 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 you don't see the genius of it i mean look i'm all for giving an artist the credit as we always do, for trying to do something new. Yeah. And I think particularly when you are the multi-platinum-selling, five-Grammy-award-winning new voice of a generation that Lauren Hill was said to be mm. in that style of music back then, to fuck all that off for a couple of years and come back with an acoustic guitar that you can't even play mm. and a bunch of songs that nobody's heard and play them on MTV is brave as fuck. Absolutely. And nobody else, nobody else would do that like hardly anyone else would do that and that is a sign of a true artist and I can see you know like her her the thing that kind of is weird about this and I mean I described it to you yesterday as a car crash and I think what's car crashy about it is that her reach for this is real this is real this is real I mean there's parts in it where she even says to the audience, like, why are, you, why are you clapping me? Are they paying you to clap me or something? Mm. I don't even know why. Yeah. Like, why are you clapping me? And she spends 15 minutes going, oh, you know, I I was, I was, got changed from my clothes that I was wearing today. And then I was like, does this look good? Does this look good? And it's this, she has been so embittered and beaten and run down by being a star that her want to show you that, no, I'm not like that anymore. I'm not like that. You know, when she says, I, I had to reintroduce myself to my world. parents because no, none yeah, of you have yeah. ever met me. No, even my parents didn't know me. Nobody knows me. You only, you know, and if you can't handle that, and it's a bit of that, like, oh, if, if you can't handle that whole, like, oh, you can't handle me like this. And you can't, you know, that kind of desperation, like, oh, God has a plan. For, listen, <laughs> it's not the same as Richard Ashcroft saying, I am Jesus last no. week. But some of the kind of, um, that kind of "I am a vessel for God" thing, it can get a bit like, "Oh, okay." Uh, I mean, I don't want to listen. Any you are entitled to it. like. My mum was really, really religious. Um, not when she was growing, not when I was growing up, but in a sort of after, you know, probably just into my early twenties, she became very religious, and and I'm not right, and and I respect anyone's opinion about if 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 they believe in a in in a sort of if they have faith of something that that's not my place to you know to go you idiot like i'm not going to do that like you stupid idiot there's no God like do you know what i mean speaking as an atheist or whatever i'm not going to go all ricky gervais on them like aren't i better <laughs> than you because i because i don't have any faith and you do yeah. you fucking idiot yeah, yeah, i'm yeah. not going to do that um but there are some bits in this where you just think like i feel like you're getting some pretty bad advice from somebody, um, and your kind of your desperation to want to appear like a true, genuine artist,
1: normal person,
0: <laughs> and a normal person is and, and show the kind of the truth and the reality is kind of to the detriment of of of, of good songs. I mean, not mm-hmm. everything on this record is bad, but there's stuff like I mean, she can. On them, um, just like water, she can barely She can barely play the song. She kind of has to stop a bunch of times. Her voice is cracking, and she can't really hit the notes. Yeah. And like you say, it's not embarrassing. You know, it's it's not embarrassing because, and I think it's no, it's, it's not just, it's just severely ju- under rehearsed. Yeah, and it, it, it's not embarrassing to people like you and I because people like you and I like lo-fi
1: hmm.
0: You know how good someone's voice is and how good they are on the guitar hmm. is not. You know, we're we for the most part, I would say, more interested in the the sort of the kernel of the idea of mm. the song, yeah. rather than like, oh, it has to sound great. But Lauren Hills fans are not like that. The yes. people that listen to the Fugees are not like that. They need to have their singers sounding fucking pro tooled and, mm. you know, perfect and, and lovely. And and this is just a this is a tantrum against that, basically. That's what this is um i don't think enough of these songs are actually very good uh no, they I are added. they're too long like mm. they're too long and they're are ideas that are like you say they're underprepared they've not been honed enough and it's it's an indulgence
1: yeah undoubtedly can't can't argue with that um maybe i'm being a little bit kinder towards this because um little peek behind the curtain as soon as we stopped recording last week obviously we had a, a joyous time uh covering Richard Ashcroft and it was very very funny um the moment we stopped recording you said to me oh I don't think we're going to have a good time in the same way with that Lauren mm. Hill record mate because it's really it's a you know you described it then as a car crash and you said it was more down to you didn't want to spoil it for me but you said it's more down to what she says mm. rather than the music itself really um, and i think because i went into it with that attitude uh there were specific interludes that you pointed out as being the the real moments and i understand where you're coming from but at the same time i was think i was expecting a more spectacular car crash than it actually was if yeah I'm totally maybe honest i think the other thing i'll say in terms of all that kind of i am a vessel of god stuff and all that sort of thing she was playing to her audience that shit goes down really well in america generally yeah but <laughs> i know it doesn't overhear that she's
0: not no but she's not meant to but then you can't say well she's playing to i mean she's not meant to be playing to her audience that's the entire point of this record well i true, am lauren hill and, and i'm not you, you can't have, you can't be both things true and but I, then, you know
1: but she's also obviously incredibly confused and still incredibly scarred through the things that she's been through and she sort of makes that obvious and and i think yeah i don't know yeah i know, i understand what you're saying
0: um, i think it shows it i think it shows a, 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 a kind of a worrying lack of confidence in herself that she has yeah. to point out like whenever she gets something wrong she has to go "Oh, i got that wrong but that's reality that's reality yeah, Whereas yeah, yeah, yeah. someone who you know who just genuinely doesn't care yeah. would just go whatever yeah like you know and and we and we are and you are playing to an audience to understand that if your voice cracks in a show or you fuck a line up in, you know, in punk rock or whatever, it's just part of the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Lauren Hill's not from that. And I think, you know, like, I'm really drawn on this because on one hand, um, it's fucking long and it's fucking difficult. And her constant, like, I'm an artist, I'm an artist, I'm an artist, some of the weird places that she goes to not just within you know jesus has a plan for me but like i say like reintroducing herself to her parents and saying are we ready are we ready oh i'm just talking to the people in my head and all that kind of stuff like some of it is like
1: oh when when she says the people when she says i'm just talking to the people in my head she means the people in the control room she has an earpiece in which might not be audious.
0: no surely not
1: well that's what it looks like from the video Oh, really? It sounds
0: to me like she was, okay. This
1: is another thing we should probably point out here. I've watched this, but you didn't manage to watch it, did you? You've just listened to it. I just listened to it. So I think there are, that's actually something I should probably mention. You pointed out one particular interlude, which is 12 minutes long, where she goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on. And audio wise, it might seem like she's just going on and on and on and on. But in reality, what's happening is she's stalling for time because she has some notes or some of the lyrics are written down for the for the next song that she's going to do. And she left the lyrics in her bag, which is backstage. So someone's trying to find them as she's talking. So, which, you know, is a clusterfuck in and of itself in a way with yeah. it being filmed and all that kind of thing, yada, yada, yada. But the reason she keeps talking And it goes on for 12 minutes. That interlude is because she's stalling for time. So, and that might not have been obvious from the audio, but it is from the video. So,
0: well, I knew something was going on, but I didn't quite know what was going on. That's that's what it was. I have seen bits of this before, and I was like, oh, fucking hell, like, you know, the the cracked voice and the, you know, the difficulty playing the songs, and just the fact that the songs are so fucking long and they're They're so, yeah you know just want you around which just goes on and on it's like and gets worse like it's just i just want you around i want you around i just goes on and on and (laughs) And it gets worse and the riff gets badly more badly played i mean if you are looking at it from a sort of technical and compositional standpoint it's pretty bad i mean you're right i think she gets a lot of shit for her voice cracking which i think when she sounds good, she sounds fucking great. She does sound good. She sounds brilliant. She's got an amazing voice. She sounds brilliant
1: for 90% of the recording, Mm. I think.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, the thing is, for me, like with with that being the sort of why it's in here, solely for Mystery of Iniquity, which went on to be All Falls Down by Kanye West, you might know that hook. Um, And as I said, was nominated for a Grammy. You can't say any song with that, any album with that song on can't be completely broken because that song no. is fucking fantastic.
1: Yeah, it is. It's a brilliant song, and and I mm. I, I quite enjoyed this version of it. Again, she fluffs it a little bit towards the end, but I still thought it was. I didn't mind that coming from the background that I come from. I suppose, but you know, um, yeah. I, I mean, I think I, in I, terms
0: I, of the the eleven it being eleven albums that we've done. Mm. If you were to rank, what are the best songs from the all of these albums? For me, that's comfortably comfortably the best song of any of these 11 records
1: quite probably yeah yeah um it's difficult to recall them all to mind now but yes um it's certainly better than what the fuck was it stalker by louis the 14th or whatever <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah 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 totally um i think we can categorically say here and i don't think i'm being over the top when i say this every single song on this record is at least double the length that it should be
0: Yeah. Which,
1: you know, which is relatively damning. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think it's also clear to me that they're that long because she has so much that she wanted to say. And maybe she should have split all of those things up into more songs rather than (laughs) rather than making 10 minute long songs or seven and a half minute long songs. I mean, I don't think there's a single one under five minutes. I don't think. Um, uh, I
0: think there might be a couple. Oh, actually.
1: actually, no, sorry. There are one or two. The very last song is under five minutes. But, you know, yeah. they all feel pretty long, to be totally they do. honest. Yeah. And They're there isn't basically but, a sort of
0: chorus, aren't they? Yeah,
1: and there isn't enough going on in them. And they are very bare bones. And, like, if you're going to do bare bones stuff like that, you don't want it to go on for ten fucking minutes, you know. Mm. Um, But, you know, why would she know all that stuff? It's not the music she started i mean i don't know maybe she, maybe she'd been listening to that kind of music for years and maybe she should know better i don't know but but i don't know uh, yeah
0: well she's obviously obsessed with bob marley and i think yeah you know, there's yeah yeah uh um you know a touch of a touch of that of, of but even be...
1: even bob marley's different because he had the whalers you know mm. like like even bob marley is not the sort of thing i'm talking about i'm talking about lo-fi no. singer-songwriters which are just them and an acoustic guitar you know yeah um i don't know how much she's into that sort of i've no idea
0: but you know mm, um. me neither but you know i can understand why people who were not exposed to this sort of thing at all would think fucking hell this is rubbish like this mm. is rubbish mm. i think they're rubbish actually <laughs> but um uh, <laughs> because you know it's even though it's a car crash it can't go very low and it can't go very high in the in the lift, i mean i, I, I have a
1: place in mind for it and a very good argument for it in my opinion go on then. well it's got to go between the enemy and lou reed hasn't it because i don't think it's successful as lou reed because lou reed sets out to do what it wants to do and i don't think lauren hill mtv unplugged entirely does that in fact you could argue it does the exact opposite because she wanted it to resurg her career and it didn't um it's boring, but it's not as boring as the enemy streets of the sky. And actually, I don't know—is it boring? Can you ever honestly look at a woman who's being that open and honest and call it boring? I actually think that's quite a, a, a mm. nasty thing to say. So I, I retract that. um it, it, it and it's certainly not as boring as the enemy streets of the sky. And hence, um I would I would propose to put it in between those two at number eight. That would
0: be. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about putting it at number eleven solely because. As I say, Mystery of Iniquity is such a fucking great song that it kind of lifts everything else. But then that is to ignore the many, many, many faults that there are of this record. You're talking and, about 10 but,
1: minutes on a 100-minute record, yeah. yeah. Yeah,
0: exactly, yeah, yeah. So I'm very, very happy to concede early, and I think that's probably about right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Lauren Hill goes in between The enemy and Lou Reed, uh, which I think puts her at number nine. It does. Um Uh, yeah that's fine um i mean has this made you think i might go and listen to any other lauren hill records Um, i I want to listen
1: i want to listen to the miseducation of lauren hill anyway and i feel like Mm. um the place that i am in my life now i am the most open i would ever be to enjoying that record and i was kind of hoping to get an opportunity to um before this week um i'm sure people will know why i didn't get an opportunity to do that um but i i will be listening to it in the next few days definitely
0: it's a really really great record and i think what's the reason why this is sort of so low down is when you take i mean the other time we spoke about what the music industry did to destroying somebody it was Eogan Quig. quick mm. now the difference between Eoghan and Lauren Hill is that... She did this to herself. Well, I was going to say is Eoghan has nothing to offer and never had anything Ah. to offer anyone ever. Yes. Um, Whereas, yes, you're right. Lauren Hill did do this to herself and she did this to herself deliberately because you know Eogan Quig would probably is probably just he's just happy to be there isn't he Yeah, he's delighted <laughs> delighted to be exploited if anyone's a vessel is...
1: if anyone's a vessel Eogan Quig is because he's completely fucking empty isn't he let's face it <laughs> yeah he is yeah um <laughs> yeah.
0: but you know so i kind of i think this is definitely sadder uh than what happened to Eogan i do think it kind of it is a shame that some young kid got absolutely chewed out chewed yeah. up and spat out by of the music industry but certainly the fact that the way the music industry works means that someone as talented as Lauren Hill hmm. has just sort of vanished and yeah. never been able to follow up that record and it's not the only record of its type this MTV Unplugged 2.0 on this list this is a fairly I mean, it doesn't happen with quite the level of spec- spectacularly as it does here. But, you know, this fucking, there's plenty of people that have been shat on and destroyed by the music industry. So, um, mm. yeah, uh, the cautionary tale of uh, of Lauren Hill. Anyway, let's pick to see what we'll be doing next week, Renfri. My hand's in the hat, my old hand in the honey pot, if you like. I don't know why oh, I said it dear. like that. Don't say no, that. No, no. Rubbish. No, I that has that. connotations. I'm not going to say that. I've said it. Um, oh, God. Fucking straight back into the shit. Um, blood, sweat and towers by the Towers of London. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> I know. I could do without doing that. I feel like putting it back. We can't, can we? That's cheating. Burn but it.
1: Just burn get it, it, Steve. <laughs> We've got a new number one, ladies and gentlemen.
0: okay so we can't I mean we have to we have to do it of course Towers of London Blood Sweat and Towers that'll be fun Mm. you should be a big fan of them didn't you (laughs) so next week we've got Towers of London and your mate from the 1975 as well
1: oh are we definitely doing the 1975 next week
0: well the Towers of London in 1975 sounds like a great show to me.
1: It'll be bookended by hatred, that show, if we did it like that. <laughs> I mean, we could, I suppose. But, yeah. <laughs> we,
0: pro- we probably won't. We didn't get sent the 1975 album, so that's why we didn't do it this week. Probably because we fucking sneered at their last one. Um, but... Which I actually ended up thinking was all right. But anyway, we probably won't be doing the 1975 next week. But we will be back next week. And we will be talking about something else. Yes. Who knows what. But we definitely will be speaking about the Towers of London. Mm. Oh. Um, anyway, enjoy that uh, when it comes out. Go over to musicism.net and put the code RIOT and capitals into the checkout to get 25% off all of your courses. And go over to patreon.com forward slash act podcast where now maybe in a few days waiting for you when you sign up for a £5 tier, you'll be getting worship and tribute by Glassjaw. The second part of our Glassjaw double header. Oh, that'll Absolutely. be exciting. You lucky shit. <laughs> right, go on then, fuck off.